Hello, this is Josh Belk with the Belk Out Business Podcast. Appreciate you once again taking a few minutes to listen in today. Uh, primarily, I'm rec- uh, gonna recording this to, to send out to our clients, but I thought it might be helpful to kind of go ahead and send this out on the uh, podcast platform as well. Uh, and we're going to really get into, and I'm not, and there's no way in the world that we can get into any sort of depth on this. Uh, but I want to kind of just take a moment. Uh, the last couple of years, at the end of the year, I recorded a uh, kind of a year-end tax planning type video and, and sent that out to our clients. And uh, I think it's also been distributed on our pa- podcast platform in the past, but um, and, and on others as well. But I want to take just a, a few moments here to kind of just uh, touch base on where are we at. Uh, in 2020 as it relates to uh, uh, as far as some some tax uh, basically some tax changes we've seen this year some laws that have been put into place and and of course we're all feeling uh, the impact of this whole uh, coronavirus COVID-19 this pandemic uh, situation and it's uh, and it's affected all of us in very different and personal ways as well and uh, and I as I kind of look across the spectrum of our of our clients, of course, this uh, this year has brought on all kinds of conversations that I never thought uh, that uh, that uh, would end up having in uh, in in business. And of course, we ended up with our uh, our tax deadlines for 2019 extended, and uh, which was kind of a, a blessing uh, because we ended up having to really kind of help clients maneuver through uh, the the PPP situation. Uh, which I'll talk about here in just a moment, and then uh, also some other areas in their business. Uh, we did have some of our clients who essentially just uh, had to close their doors, so to speak, had to had to basically just close their businesses up. And uh, fortunately for most of our clients, they went ahead and uh, are, are working through it. But I think it's uh, helpful for us just to take a st- step uh, back, take a moment, and just kind of uh, just walk through uh, what we're dealing with as of right now. Uh, some things we do know, other things we simply don't know. Uh, so uh, we, we saw a unique uh, situation that relates to the CARES Act, which I'll get into in a moment. Uh, at the end of last year, we saw the uh, SECURE Act, uh, which uh, did make an impact. I'll talk about that here in a moment. And then I'll talk about our, our payroll tax filings uh, and then uh, give you a brief update as it relates on the personal space. Just kind of give you a little bit of a high-level outline as we work through this. So first of all, uh, the SECURE Act. And this, once I, like I said, this is not at all comprehensive. I'm going to hit some highlights. Uh, and, uh, and really, when it comes to tax planning, I, I would encourage you not to take everything that I say on, uh, on this particular podcast and, and go out there and utilize it. I think it's extremely important for you to have a conversation uh, with your accountant and to make sure that everything that you do aligns with uh, what's going on in your business and that it uh, really kind of, I think, even more importantly, helps get you, get you to your goals, uh, your business goals. And, uh, and, and tax is just one of those strategies. Uh, it isn't an end all into itself. Some people say, I, pay, I don't want to pay any tax taxes. Uh, and, uh, and that is a strategy. Usually it's not a good one, uh, but it is a strategy that you can have. So this is meant to be kind of just one tool in your, uh, in your toolbox uh, to be able to help to get you to where you want to go. So this CARE Act, uh, required, min- uh, required Minimum Distributions. And if I use some terms here and you don't understand what they are, they, it means it probably doesn't, uh, doesn't apply to you, uh, but it may at some point later this year. So Required Minimum Distribution age uh, was increased uh, to 72 years old. Uh, so basically, historically, it had been 70 and a half, and you had to begin uh, taking withdrawals uh, 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 at that point. That age has been increased uh, to 2020. Uh, inherited IRAs, and we have a number of clients who utilize inherited IRAs as part of their overall finance strategy and their tax strategy. But uh, inherited IRAs have, uh, have the, the rules on that have been changed. It used to be you would take out the distributions over the lifetime, uh, the life expectancy of the decedent. In this case here, uh, that uh, time frame has been decreased down to 10 years. So you have to essentially drain that account over 
10 years. And of course, there are some exceptions to almost all of these rules. Uh, the inherited IRA by the spouse would be an exclusion. Uh, there are some 10-year uh, uh, age difference guidelines as well as children rules in there as well uh, that are also exceptions. But as a general rule, you have an inherited IRA. Uh, you can no longer utilize the life expectancy of the decedent. Uh, you now have to uh, withdraw uh, the account or drain down the account over 10 years. Uh, the CARES Act. I think this more than anything else has been uh, the source of a lot of what we've had to deal with uh, over these last few months. Uh, so uh, one question that we've had a number of calls on was this 10% uh, 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 removal as far as from early uh, withdrawal from an IRA and also the $100,000 uh, rule from a, from a retirement account, uh, 401k, uh, 403b, and, I, uh, and, and the IRA. So a 10% early withdrawal penalty essentially being waived, uh, but it's for COVID-related reasons. And so uh, there, there are people out there, and sometimes it's just clickbait, whatever the case may be, that put information out there. Hey, you can withdraw $100,000 out, uh, out of your retirement account. And then you just kind of leave it at that and instead of uh, kind of explaining what those rules are. So it has to be for a COVID-related reason. And, uh, and so uh, um, the IRS hasn't given exact guidelines on this. They kind of, uh, if you were to go to their, basically their Q&A page today, it would refer back to the reasons that we saw back in Katrina back in 2005. And, and it has some other information on there. But bottom line, if you were affected, you had an employee uh, that was infected, you had a layoff, a business closure, some of these like direct impacts that you can, that are very measurable. Uh, in all probability, it would it would qualify for the early distribution uh, for, from the uh, uh, from your uh, from your retirement account without the 10% penalty. Now, in regards to the $100,000 uh, uh, that being borrowed, the same rules essentially apply. Uh, so you take the $100,000 out, it would need to be repaid over the next three years. Uh, and if you repay it over the next three years, then the um, uh, then you essentially would not have the tax. And uh, so this is going to be a process. So if you're looking into taking out the $100,000, doing something else with it, put the money back in, which can be used as a strategy to do other things, okay, you have to realize, you have to ask the question, number one, do you qualify? Uh, and then secondly, make sure you have the plan in place as far as, uh, as, far as paying it back. And then uh, kind of realize the, uh, the kind of the ultimate consequences uh, if you don't in regards to taxation uh, of those funds uh, being uh, being distributed. Another thing you need to be uh, aware of: not all plan sponsors are permitting the COVID-related uh, um, uh, distributions. Uh, so if you're at a if you work for a company, they may not permit for you to pull the money out. I know more and more sponsors are working on it to try to be able to uh, to have those distributions. But you need to be aware that you may end up with a little bit of a hurdle there if indeed you do qualify. Employers can pay and deduct up to $5,250 of employees' college loan, tuition, fees, books, et cetera, something I don't hear uh, talked about a whole lot. That might be an opportunity there in your business. Uh, uh, next, let me give a brief update on the whole uh, Paycheck Protection Program, the, the PPP. Uh, of course, the, 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 the goalposts on this have been moved a number of times. Now, at this point, we're kind of back into the position of uh, having some serious unknowns as it relates to what ultimately is it, uh, what this is going to look like. So initially, and I uh, actually did a couple different podcasts on the PPP. Initially, it was uh, uh, basically the... Uh, um, the SBA or your bank would go, they look back uh, in the application, they would look back at 10 weeks of your average payroll. Uh, you'd have eight weeks to spend it. You'd have to spend 75% on payroll. The other 25% could be spent on some admin cost uh, and then uh, some qualified cost. And then uh, if you met the standard, then it would be waived. Then they came back and now they've extended the spend over 24 weeks uh, and then uh, uh, um, 
and then the number for payroll has been reduced to 60 percent. And, uh, and, and so now the issue that we're going to have, especially those who are uh, receiving the PPP loans later, that this is going to spill over into 2021. The, uh, the other issue that we have is in regards to the forgiveness component. Uh, even though the SBA has come, back with, uh, come out with the applications, most banks are not accepting it. Uh, applications as of yet, they're still sitting on the, guy, uh, on the sideline to wait and see if Congress is going to come back or the SBA. Somebody's going to come back and say, okay, we're going to categorically forgive all uh, PPP loans under $150,000. Uh, and then uh, at that point, uh, you can go ahead and get forgiven. So for most of our clients, they're under that $150,000 threshold. If you're over that threshold, uh, I'm not going to get in, into that in this podcast. I would encourage you to go ahead and reach out to, uh, to your accountant. Go ahead and begin working through, making sure that you have all of your ducks in a row. Uh, but for most of our clients, uh, it's going to be a fairly simple process as far as filling out the application, getting the paperwork in. But the issue is going to be the timeliness of the forgiveness. So the directive we've been given so far is that uh, if you receive the PPP loans, that is not going to be added to your income, but it's going to be a decrease in expenses. So I'll give you a, a, a simple example. So you receive $50,000 in PPP loans. So you have that $50,000 loan. Uh, essentially what would happen, so say you spent 45000 of it on payroll, the other five on rent. So instead of increasing your revenue by $50,000, you're going, in this example here, you would reduce your payroll expenses by $45,000 and decrease your rent by $5,000. Net effect of this uh, 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 is the same. But I think it's important that you realize that that $50,000 in this example is essentially going to become taxable income to you or your business. Okay, so uh, you, need to, you need to realize that you do have that exposure as you kind of go through the planning. The big question that we, we still don't know at this point is, if a loan is not forgiven until next year, uh, can we re are we to reduce the expenses this year or do we uh, reduce the expenses uh, once it's been forgiven? My hope is we have absolute clarity. I think we will before year end. We're able to get the applications in, get the forgiveness component in. We make the, the adjustments uh, as it relates to um, uh, on the tax side, and we just at that point begin to move forward. So that's kind of where we're at as of this point. Idle loans, we've had a number of clients uh, take on the idle loans. Um, if you did get the advance on the idle loan, so it's basically $1,000 uh, per employee up to 10 employees, uh, that can be forgiven if you did not get the PPP loan. If you did get the PPP loan, uh, that uh, advance would need to be paid. Uh, the remaining amount of it essentially is uh, basically a 30-year loan uh, that's amortized over 30 years with a pretty favorable interest rate. And both the PPP and the IDLE are uh, still available. Uh, as of this recording, I think probably by the time this gets out, the PPP may have stopped unless they go ahead and extend or do another round of funding. Net operating loss carryback. Uh, this is another provision in the CARES Act that we received a number of questions on. I was actually on a call this last week. Uh, on, a, on a tax summit call, we really kind of really dug into this and into a lot of ways. And, and once again, this is a very complex uh, conversation. Uh, but I'm going to kind of approach it at a really high level. If you're uh, if you're essentially had a business that ended up with a net operating loss, or you individual in, individually end up with a net operating loss, uh, you may and I'm, I'm not going to say you absolutely can, but you may end up with a situation to where you can actually go and carry that back. When we had the Tax Cut and Jobs Act put into place. Uh, it was passed in late 2017. It removed the carryback provisions of the net uh, for the net operating loss, the net operating loss. So now it's been added back, and so now we have for 2018, 19, and 2020, you can actually go and carry it back three years and then carry it forward from there. 
Um, so uh, if you end up with a net operating loss, you can go back, amend your returns. Now, it's one of those things you have to go back three years, so you can't select the years that you're going to use utilize the net operating loss. So you have to go back three years, carry it forward. So in this case here, if you're able to amend your 2018s, you go back and uh, um, you would then at that point carry the loss back to 15, 16, 17, and then uh, if anything is left, carry it forward from there. Uh, also, one other provision from the Tax Cut and Jobs Act was a limitation on 80% of income as it relates to the net operating loss. That has been lifted for 2018 and 2019 and 2020 only. So once again, I would expect that these, uh, all of these rules will expire at the end of this year, and then we'll kind of go back uh, from 2021 to 2025 uh, to uh, that um, uh, the rules would go back to the way that they were at the end of 2019 or early part of 2020 before the CARES Act uh, was passed. Now, I do want to make a comment here uh, that um, uh, that we we are an election year, and uh, so uh, it, we are going to see a situation. Uh, um, it's going to look a lot different if uh, if we end up with candidate Biden winning the presidency versus uh, if President Trump ends up uh, retaining the White House. Uh, so um, uh, just kind of be very aware that a lot of these things can change. Uh, kind of a little joke on the on the call this last week, and, and one of the gentlemen on the call uh, actually made the comment as far as are we Biden-proofing our, uh, our portfolios. Uh, one thing that we do know, and I'm not making a political statement here, it's just a matter of fact, if you've looked at his policies, that uh, if, um, if we do end up with, uh, with uh, Mr. Biden as president, uh, taxes are going to go up. He's already talking about removing 1031 exchanges. A lot of our clients are real estate investors. That's going to have a big impact on them. Uh, so uh, there, there are going to be some changes there, and they're probably not going to be favorable for a lot of business owners. And so take that. You may disagree with me, but I think the facts would, would prove otherwise. So just kind of be aware that uh, as you kind of go through and do your planning uh, for this year, uh, kind of realize that if we end up with a, uh, with a kind of a change in the White House, a change in leadership in the fall, that we might very well be having much different conversations in 20, uh, at the end of 2020 than we would be having now, uh, you also do need to be aware that with a net operating loss that uh, there are some passive activity uh, um, exceptions there. So if you aren't materially, act, uh, um, you're not materially participating in the activity. Now, there are rules out there as it relates to hours and, and things of that nature. I'll just give you the old, uh, kind of the general uh, definition uh, so that passive activities include trader, uh, trader business activities in which you don't materially participate. Uh, you materially participate in an activity if you're involved in the operation of the activity on a regular, continuous, and substantial basis. So if you have a passive activity that you don't materially participate in, it has a, a huge loss, uh, you are not going to be able to use that as part of the net operating loss calculation. Okay, so just kind of be aware of that. And uh, once again, if you're if if you kind of if you're going to go through and you're going to utilize these rules, make sure that you're having a good conversation with your accountant to make sure that whatever it is that you are doing does qualify. So uh, next, uh, we're going to talk about um, kind of transition a little bit to the employee retention credit and the Family First Coronavirus Response Act. Uh, so uh, these two provisions were put in place as far as to try to help employers and employees as it relates to uh, some tax credit. So from the employer side, the employee retention credit, a business can take up to 50% of wages capped at $10,000 per quarter. If restricted, um, uh, if basically business operations were restricted due to uh, basically a government order. 
Okay, so it's uh, it's capped at the ten thousand dollars per quarter, fifty percent, uh, or if you've had a fifty percent decline in uh, in your gross receipts, that would also qualify. So either the government, due to government restrictions, you were uh, you were shut down, or you have a fifty percent decrease in your top line revenue. Uh, this particular credit is there. Uh, so both this credit and the Family First uh, Coronavirus Response Act, if you receive the PPP, uh, then you would not be able to take these uh, these uh, these credits. So just kind of be aware of that. Okay, so there is the employee retention credit out there. So if you didn't receive the PPP funds or during the timeline that you were not spending those PPP funds, I also want to qualify that, uh, that you may be able to take one of these credits. So the employee retention credit, uh, so it's a 50 up to 50% of wages capped at $10,000 per quarter, uh, provided that you were either, uh, uh, you, were, you were shut down due to government restrictions or you had a 50% decline in, uh, in your overall gross receipts. The Family First Coronavirus Response Act, up to two weeks of uh, paid sick leave for COVID-related related reasons. So um, the, uh, you end up with, a, with an employee that basically had to stay home because of COVID, had a family member, uh, their child's um, uh, daycare or school was closed. There's, so there's a number of re different reasons here uh, that you can receive a, uh, up to paid uh, two weeks of paid sick leave. Now, depending on the reason, depends on the credit. Uh, so this is pretty complicated. If, you do, if this does qualify to you, make sure, once again, you're working with your accountant or make sure you have a really good understand on, uh, understanding of the, the credits and the rules before you go and complete the, uh, the 941s. Now, some of the things I'm going to kind of just give you an update is some of the things that have not changed or just been slightly tweaked. Uh, some of these uh, get talked about just about every year. Uh, first, long-term capital gains rates are still the same. So we have the 0, 15-20% uh, uh, limits. The 3.8% surtax, surtax on net investment income still in place. Uh, if uh, singles over, over 200,000 or mar uh, married couples over 250,000. 401k limits for this year, 19,500. Uh, if you're single, uh, I'm sorry, 19,500, uh, $26,000 if you're over 50, if you're single or married. Uh, so 401k limits are there, 19,500. If, uh, um, if you're under 50, 26,000. If you're over 50, not going to get into uh, Super Ross or, talking, or Super 401ks, talking about that here. Next, uh, um, IRA limits uh, are $6,000. Um, uh, um, if you're under 50, 7,000. If you're over 50, uh, and that's assuming your income limit limit is under 74,000. If you are single, 104,000. If you are married, uh, Roth IRA limits, uh, 124,000. Uh, um, if you are um, single, or the, uh, and then 196,000. If you are married, once again, uh, you can be always be aware of the backdoor Roth. So if you're over the IRA limits to be able to take the deduction, you can still contribute. And then if you're over the uh, income limits for the Roth, you can just simply backdoor it. Once again, that may, uh, probably a situation you want to talk to your accountant about. Standard deduction for this year has been increased, 12,400. Uh, um, uh, and then uh, if you're single, 24800 If you are married, the um, SALT deduction, the state and local income tax is still capped at the $10,000, and there's still no 2% miscellaneous uh, deduction uh, still for this year. And then uh, last couple items here, charitable contributions now are increased to 60% of your adjusted gross income uh, for this year. And then uh, there is going to be a $300 above the line deduction, which is something that I have not, never seen before, but a $300 above the line charitable contribution deduction. Uh, HSA limits, health savings accounts uh, limits for this year, uh, 3550 uh, for an individual plan, $7,100 for a family plan. And then the SEPs are still in place, simplified employee pensions. Uh, still 25% of your payroll uh, for max contribution of $57,000, something that uh, we, we have a lot of our clients utilize, um, especially if they have a, a smaller business or a, uh, just a husband-wife-owned business or single-person-owned business. Uh, they're especially helpful to be able to uh, really contribute a ton of money into retirement. 
Um, so kind of a takeaway, just be really aware of the rules. Uh, this may be a good year uh, to consider doing a, um, a, a rollover from a traditional to a Roth. Uh, those should be regular conversations that you're having or things you should be considering. If you have a lot of money in a traditional plan, moving it over to a into a Roth plan. So I uh, just want to kind of just highlight a few items that you may want to consider uh, having a conversation with your accountant about just to make you aware of them. Uh, for our clients, uh, I appreciate you uh, working with us. And uh, I love working with our clients. I encourage you, if you have any questions, uh, go ahead and reach out to us. I'm more than happy to go ahead and schedule a call, look at your situation, see what we can do to help uh, as we move into quarter number three. Hope uh, all of you have a wonderful day. Once again, I thank you for listening. This is Josh Bell for the Belcom Business Podcast.